I know it's early. I know that lots can change before 2024, but I think as of right now, I have got a candidate. This man is saying all the right things. He's seeing things clearly, and he is more in touch with the American people than the entire ruling class. And that man's name is Chet Hanks. So um, just checking in, look, I've been kind of on the fence about this for a while. That's why I've never spoke on it. But with the amount of people that I know recently that, that have gotten COVID and with like the numbers rising, I think it's important for me to say like, I got the vaccine. I think everybody should. I think it's really important like that we all do this just as like citizens, as Americans, we have to look out for each other and get this shit under control, guys. So like, I suggest to all my followers, you guys make set an appointment and get the vaccine first thing. Psych! If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I never had COVID. You ain't sticking me with that mother needle. It's the mother flu. Get over it, okay? If you're sick, stay inside. I'm tired of having, okay? Why are we working around y'all? If y'all, uh, if you're in danger, stay your ass inside. I'm tired of wearing a mother mask. Brilliant, articulate, so on the money. I, I love imagining that that man is Tom Hanks' son. He actually is Tom Hanks' son. There's much more to dig into in Chet Hanks' political philosophy. But for those who doubt that Chet could be president, keep in mind that he now has a much, much better chance of becoming president than Andrew Cuomo, who resigned yesterday in disgrace for all of the wrong reasons, but he's still gone. Republicans can chalk it up as a win, but make no mistake, the liberal establishment still has all the power. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from OSU Formulator who says, if anyone asks me why I'm not masked up, I'm going to tell them I'm still celebrating Obama's birthday. That's a great, that's a great excuse. It's hard to argue with that one. You know, when you want to feel protected, I would strongly recommend you go check out American Home Shield. No one likes to think about household breakdowns, but they happen. They happen way more often than you would like. They may have happened to me, actually, just a couple of weeks ago. That's why it pays to have a plan from American Home Shield to help cover the costs to repair and replace things like your AC or your fridge. They have new options to help you find just the right coverage. American Home Shield members get more coverage options and fewer exclusions. From HVAC systems and plumbing to kitchen appliances, their plans help protect parts of up to 23 essential home systems and appliances. Electronics coverage is available for an unlimited number of eligible items such as smartwatches, flat screen TVs, and more. Other options include roof leak repair and pool and spa coverage. Coverage is available no matter how old your systems and appliances are. Just get covered. I'm, I'm learning. That, I've learned this lesson the hard way in the past, and I'm, I'm learning to appreciate it now. Be sure to get covered. You don't want one of these crazy repairs. Right now, to celebrate 50 years of providing homeowners peace of mind, you can take 50 bucks off their most comprehensive plans ever. Go to ahs.com slash Knowles to save 50 bucks. That is ahs.com slash Knowles for $50 off any plan. Service fees, limitations, and exclusions apply. See plan for details. American Home Shield. Be sure. Hit the shield. Before we move on from Chet Hanks, we will, there are other things we have to get to, but I, I can't tell you how much I enjoy not only the fact that he's Tom Hanks' son, but the sorts of things he's saying. So Tom Hanks, very famously, very liberal actor, friends with Obama, very pro-public health bureaucracy, the list goes on and on. And Chet is not. So uh, Chet also, after he posted his, his rant about COVID, posted another one after he left a Barnes and Noble where they told him to pull up his mask. So sick of this mask, dude. 
flipping Barnes and Noble, buying books. <laughs> Check out my mask slips like a little millimeter past my nostril. Oh, sir, you gotta have your mask. Oh yeah, my bad, my bad. Slips down again, sir. Your mask. Oh, okay, my bad. That's <laughs> you. I'm like, I go, I go. You're really on it, huh? He goes, uh, yeah, we are. <laughs> okay. He's like, did you get the vaccine? I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure, I got the vaccine. Psych. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I never had COVID. <laughs> So, so the crazy thing about these Chet Hanks videos is that he has more credibility than Dr. Fauci because Chet Hanks uses some salty language and he speaks in a way that's kind of vulgar, but he hasn't gotten everything wrong about COVID. He hasn't, I, I'm not making any, listen, YouTube overlords. I'm not making any comment on the vaccines. I'm just saying that what we know from Dr. Fauci is that he has gotten things wrong and wrong and wrong Again, what we know from the liberal establishment broadly is not, not only have they gotten things wrong, but they've actively misled us on multiple occasions. Dr. Fauci admitted this when he told us not to wear the masks and he said, we have to wear the mask. And he only told us not to wear the masks because he wanted to save the mask for his buddies. So Chet Hanks, I think representing something that we saw come up with Trump, we've seen bubble up a lot of times in American politics, which is that people who don't use the jargon, who don't go along with the narrative, who don't do what all of the elite institutions tell us to do. Those people seem to have their finger on the pulse of the people and of reality a lot better. And uh, he may or may not become president, but uh, Andrew Cuomo certainly, certainly uh, is not looking likely to be the next president. LoveGov has resigned. Andrew Cuomo doesn't quite admit that he was wrong, doesn't actually say he was sorry for anything, but does say that he will resign in the next two weeks. Wasting energy on distractions is the last thing that state government should be doing. And I cannot be the cause of that. New York tough means New York loving. And I love New York. And I love you. And everything I have ever done has been motivated by that love. We're going to pause it right there. Just as a, a general rule in politics, if you are resigning over a sex scandal, you might want to minimize the love talk. The, the love talk is not serving your cause very well, especially when Andrew Cuomo does it in this very bizarre sort of bulldogish Cuomo-esque way of, I love you. I love, I love, my love made me love. So Andrew Cuomo goes on and on about the love thing, but then he finally gets to the point. Namely, he's out. And I would never want to be unhelpful in any way. And I think that given the circumstances, the best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. And therefore, that's what I'll do. Because I work for you and doing the right thing is doing the right thing for you. Because as we say, it's not about me, it's about we. It's not about me, it's about we. Okay. I am, I would say 15% surprised that Andrew Cuomo actually stepped down. I said it months and months ago when he was first in trouble for this sex scandal, which was really just an excuse to get him out after he had lost the confidence of Democrats from the COVID scandal, which was just one of the many scandals that has plagued his administration. And the Cuomo family has dominated New York politics now for three, four decades. Andrew Cuomo is one of the toughest politicians out there. 
this guy has survived much worse than this. And so the reason that he is resigning now is not because he winked at his secretary or any of the other things that he's accused of. The reason he's resigning now is because he is no longer any use to the Democrat establishment. During the lockdowns and the height of 2020, Andrew Cuomo was a good foil for Donald Trump. He was this tough, brash New Yorker, right? He was sort of the the anti-Trump. But then now that Trump is gone. Andrew Cuomo doesn't serve any purpose. He's actually a big liability. Not just because of he got a little grab happy with the staffers, but because he killed thousands of elderly New Yorkers and then covered it up from the federal government when there was a, a DOJ investigation. So Andrew Cuomo is out now. We can chalk it up as a win, but I think we would be foolish to pretend as though this is a major conservative victory. This is the liberal establishment moving the pieces around on the table as it sees fit. And if Andrew Cuomo were still of any use to them, they would, they would not have done that. By the way, you're not going to hear any sort of apologies from the many, many people who lauded Cuomo and, and, and praised him t- to no end during 2020 and gave him Emmys and, and gave him their devotion and even described themselves as Cuomo-sexuals, like uh, people such as Trevor Noah, the host of The Daily Show. The one governor who's crushing it the most right now is Andrew Cuomo. Yes. Thanks to his handling, his approval rating has soared to a seven-year high. And he's even becoming uh, something of a crush for many people. Yeah. People online are falling in love with him. I'm not going to lie, those people include me. My Tinder profile now lists me as a Cuomo-sexual. A Cuomo-sexual. There are all sorts of social media influencers just writing these, these odes, these, these romantic ballads to Andrew Cuomo. Uh, and what was the reality? The reality was he was the, maybe the worst governor in the country in terms of his handling of COVID. He was one of the worst governors in, in the country in terms of his handling of his staff, notably his female staff. Everything we were told about this guy, totally competent on COVID, a hero, New York tough. He was a, he's a feminist. He stands up for women. All of it turned out to be a lie. And we were told this by the entertainment establishment, guys like Trevor Noah. We were told this by the news media establishment. For goodness sakes, Cuomo's brother hosted a show on CNN. I was going to say it's a major show on CNN, but no show is a major show on CNN. Still, it was one of their bigger shows. And he was bringing on Andrew Cuomo to, to joke about how, how he didn't call his mother enough. And then they yucked it up a little bit. And he, and he went into his earnest voice and Fredo said, Andrew, you're doing a wonderful job, brother. I'm so, and he wasn't. None, none of this was true. It was all a lie. And now people wonder why none of us trust the media establishment, the scientific establishment, the political establishment. This sort of thing is not just on the fringes. It's not just people like Trevor Noah. This sort of thing went all the way up to the top. Joe Biden was lauding Andrew Cuomo during the entirety of 2020 while Joe Biden was running for president. And now that Joe Biden is the president, even after this wild scandal, the nursing home and the sex stuff, Joe Biden is still praising Andrew Cuomo. It makes me want to have some relief. And when I want relief, do you know where I turn? I turn to Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. 
I know what you're he- you're hearing. Okay, there's some band and it's going to, what is this? I don't know. Maybe I tried one of these in the past. I paid like 10 bucks for it. No. This is 100% drug-free. It's non-drowsy. It provides all-natural, long-lasting relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. The way it works is it stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. This stuff was developed for use in hospitals. This one works. It is number one FDA-cleared Go get it now. As the world's opening back up, do not let the fear of nausea keep you on the sidelines. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for Michael Knowles Show listeners. If you go to reliefband.com, use promo code Knowles, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked for a 30-day money-back guarantee. That is R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Use promo code Knowles for 20% off plus free shipping. Even after the announcement of the resignation, even after the attorney general report showing that Andrew Cuomo got very grab happy. Even after the DOJ investigation of Andrew Cuomo, Joe Biden says, as governor, Cuomo did a hell of a job. One of the Democrats through the years that you spoke with about infrastructure the most was Andrew Cuomo, who is resigning, who announced he's resigning today. You had traveled New York with him when you were vice president to the launch of the reconstruction of LaGuardia. He was someone who supported your campaign early on. No, you called on him to resign. No, you condemned the alleged behavior. But you're someone who spends a lot of time with mayors and governors. How would you assess his 10 and a half years as governor of the state? In terms of his personal behavior or what he's done as a governor? What he's done as a governor. I thought he's done a hell of a job. I thought he's done a hell of a job. And uh, I mean, both on everything from access to voting to infrastructure, the whole range of things. That's why it's so sad. I have to say that on one point, I do agree with Joe Biden here. Andrew Cuomo did a hell of a job as governor. Emphasis here, of course, is on the word hell. I was a constituent of Andrew Cuomo's. I have met Andrew Cuomo on multiple occasions. I'm a native New Yorker. I, I was uh, Andrew Cuomo's waiter once at a restaurant when I was working at a restaurant in high school. I ran into Andrew Cuomo during Hurricane Sandy, actually, because my pals and I walked out with cigars during the hurricane, literally bumped into uh, Governor Governor Cuomo then. Uh, he wasn't the worst governor in the history of New York, but he was pretty bad. He, he pushed for an abortion law that would legalize abortion up until the moment of birth. A, a huge liberalization of abortion laws. And when, it wasn't enough just that he did that, He then celebrated that by lighting up the Freedom Tower in pink to celebrate this wonderful thing that he was going to kill a lot more little baby girls. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a win for women? This guy, an absolute knuckle-dragging, moral idiot, uh, scandal-ridden, corrupt, did a hell of a job. And still, the liberal establishment, even as they show him the curtains, even as they say, buddy, time to get off the stage, even still, they defend him. They are going softer right now on Andrew Cuomo, one of the worst, if not the worst governor in the country, than they are on Ron DeSantis, the best governor in the country. Not just because he never winked at his secretary, not just because he never got grab happy with the staff, but because he did better on coronavirus than any other governor in the country. And he pursued the opposite policies than we saw from, certainly from Andrew Cuomo or from Gavin Newsom or anyone else. And yet still, Cuomo gets the pat on the head and DeSantis does not. Actually, the federal government appears to be actively lying about Governor DeSantis' record. The CDC, 
is reporting. You know the CDC, that agency with so much credibility after the last 18 months. The CDC is reporting that there were 28,317 new cases of the coronavirus in Florida on Sunday. Uh, This would mark the most confirmed infections in one day in the state since the beginning of the 15 days to slow the spread, 15 days that has turned into a year and a half. Now, notice here that the number is on new cases. The reason that it's on new cases rather than new hospitalizations or new deaths from coronavirus is because those numbers, the numbers that actually matter, have plummeted basically to nothing. Whereas new cases, what does that matter? Especially when so many people are vaccinated and allegedly the vaccine causes, you know, one to be protected from the severest symptoms. When the death rate is very, very low, they have to move on to keep everybody in fear, to keep everybody continuing to comply with their draconian measures. But even that turns out to be a lie because the Florida Department of Health just came out and uh, says that actually there were only 15,319 cases on Sunday and that the three-day average is 18,795. That's 10,000 cases fewer than, and more than, in in the case of Sunday, more than 10,000 cases fewer than the CDC is noting. Do you think, is this just an error, whoopsie-daisy, another clerical error? Or is this part of a broader pattern of lies and obfuscation and deception and misleading to keep us all locked up forever? So it was the 15 days to, first of all, it was to flatten the curve. Then it was 15 days to slow the spread. Then it was to find a cure. Then it was to get everybody vaccinated. Now it is to stop the Delta. Then it's going to be to stop the Lambda. They're already talking about the Lambda and the Sigma and the Phi Beta Kappa and the... SIGEP and the Delta Kappa Epsilon, it's, it's going to go on forever and ever and ever unless we stop it. Unless Now, some people are standing up to stop it. There is actually some good news in politics. I, you know, there's so rarely good news these days for conservatives. But there is some potential good news. Namely, Gavin Newsom may end up being recalled. Gavin Newsom, Governor Bateman, Newsolini over there in my former state of California, is facing the election of his life. This was even as of a couple of weeks ago, the voters were basically evenly split on on the recall effort. Don't forget, first, there's going to be a vote of whether or not to recall Gavin Newsom or not. That's just a yes or no vote. And then if he is recalled, the, the candidate with the most votes will be the next governor of California. So you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a poll out said it was about evenly split. You haven't heard very many poll numbers since then. One wonders if that is in part because the numbers are getting even worse for Gavin Newsom. And you know the Democrats are going to try to pull a lot of shenanigans in terms of voter fraud. California is one of the worst states because they have so few election integrity measures. They have motor voter laws, so you just get signed up to vote when you're at the DMV. This opens the door to uh, lots of illegal aliens, for instance being registered to vote. And obviously California is a huge problem with illegal aliens. It's not a problem for the Democrats. It's actually part of the strategy. California's got a big problem with ballot harvesting. And now California has this problem with widespread mail-in ballots. So it's not even enough just to register to vote in another state. It may even be the case in California. And I've heard this from multiple of my coworkers even, uh, that they will still have ballots mailed to their homes even after they've moved out of California. So what's going to happen to those ballots? Are they secure? No, obviously not. And they're ballot drop-offs, so you don't even need to prove who you are. So the Democrats, I think, are counting on all of these shenanigans to still maintain control of the state. But if 
They can't do it if Gavin Newsom does get recalled. Larry Elder may end up being the governor of California. Larry Elder, many of you know, a very well-known conservative radio host. He's been on lots of TV shows. He's been on my show. He's, I've been on his show. He's pretty conservative. I, I, you know, he's a little bit libertarian. He's a little more libertarian, certainly, than I am. I think probably uh, Attila the Hun is more libertarian than I am. But, but Larry Elder is a, a very strong candidate, and he would be a huge, huge improvement over Gavin Newsom. And right now he is way out raising, he is way out polling the other GOP candidates. So the other candidates, as you'll recall, are uh, Kevin Faulkner, who was down in San Diego, uh, John Cox, who lost pretty badly to Gavin Newsom last time, and uh, Caitlin, Caitlin Jenner. Bruce, Bruce Jenner is running. He says that he has no loyalty to Trump or to the Republican Party, and his real loyalty is only to LGBT with an emphasis on the T. So not the greatest Republican candidate probably ever, but it doesn't really matter because no matter how the, the votes would be divvied up, the top guy is going to become the governor. This is why I think the California GOP is choosing not to endorse in this race. It's probably not the worst thing in the world. So of the, of the candidates here, you got, you know, Larry Elder, Assemblyman Kevin Kiley, and then Kevin Faulkner, a few, a few other people. Uh, this is a big help to Kevin Faulkner, for instance, who is not polling very well. He's not raising a lot of money. Um, but, I, but I do think it was the right decision for the California GOP not to endorse a candidate here. Because the, the argument from the California GOP is if they endorse a candidate, then it's going to turn off the voters who otherwise would show up to endorse or to, to vote against Gavin Newsom. So it, it, it really doesn't matter. It's not as though the, the recall candidate has to get more than 50% of the vote. They just need to be the top, the top person. So if I were Gavin Newsom, I would be very, very nervous right now. And you can see it. There are actually some clips of him going, going around. Uh, maybe we'll get them on the show in the next few days of him talking to reporters where he's just losing it. He's really totally falling into his sort of American psycho, you know, slicked back hair. You're starting to see a crack to this otherwise very well put together facade. And there's other good news, by the way, for 2022 and 2024. There are some Republican candidates out there who are they're ditching the old stale slogans of the last 15, 20 years of Republican politics, which have just represented loss after loss after loss. You saw this begin to happen with Donald Trump. Then you, you see this with some other candidates. You've got uh, J.D. Vance, who is the author of Hillbilly Elegy. He's running in Ohio. He's really contradicting the GOP's agenda on, for instance, shilling for big corporations that hate our guts. Now you've got a candidate Blake Masters in Arizona running for Senate, who is explicitly calling out not just critical race theory, but what it represents, which is anti-white racism. You can hear more about that and everything else with your Raycons. I really need to personally thank Raycon. I seriously need to personally thank Raycon right now, not just because it's a wonderful product. It's got lots of cool colorways. It fits in your ear way better than those other guys. You don't have little stems sticking out so you look like a bug. I was just on a flight. I was on a not eight and a half hour flight with my six month old baby. And when, when the, when the cries get a little bit too much, I, I could just pop in my earbuds. Oh my gosh. It was bliss. It was absolutely wonderful. I would strongly recommend you get a pair of Raycons today. They've got 32 hour battery life. So you can listen to what you want when you want for a really long time. They start at half the price of the other premium audio brands. They got a 45 day happiness guarantee. You really can't lose, and they are superior to the other products on the market. 
Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, my listeners get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash Knowles. That's buyraycon.com slash Knowles to save 15% off of Raycons. That's buyraycon.com slash Knowles. You can order Ben's new book, The Authoritarian Moment. It's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any other major bookseller. It's a great book to buy immediately after you buy my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. I would recommend that is the, the proper order to buy those books in. But I do recommend you get Ben's book because it will be my campaign slogan in a few years. Also, if you sign up now as a Daily Wire member with code VIP, you will get 25% off your new membership and be automatically entered for a chance to win a trip for two to the Daily Wire studios in Nashville. You'll see Candace live. Not only will you meet Candace herself, but you'll be getting an inside look at her studio and front row seats to watch her show live. So that is dailywire.com slash subscribe with code VIP, 25% off, so you can automatically be entered to win a VIP experience. Or if you're already an all-access member, you can now purchase tickets for her show in Nashville, Tennessee. Head on over to dailywire.com slash tickets today to pick up yours. We'll be right back with a lot more. You've heard a lot about critical race theory over the past few weeks, and critical race theory is this ridiculous academic movement that derives from the school of Western Marxists and critical theory, and it questions not not just the idea that we all ought to be treated fairly and equally, but it questions whether or not there is even objective reality itself, objective truth itself, or if it's all a social construction of the white supremacist patriarchal, this, that, and the other thing. A lot of what it comes down to, though, is simpler than that. It's kind of why I opened the show with Chet Hanks, (laughs) because Chet Hanks might talk a little bit rough, but he's saying, I think, what a lot of people feel. When we talk about critical race theory, very often what we're just talking about is people being made to feel bad for being white, people being made to feel bad for the color of their skin, being told that if you have this color skin, you're good. And if you have this color skin, you're bad and you can never fix it. And it's, you're irredeemable and deplorable and all the other words that we've heard conservatives referred to over the years. And by the way, even if you're black, but you support conservatives, you are laboring under a false consciousness. You're a mental slave. You are, you are upholding the white supremacy and the patriarchy. There's one candidate in Arizona who's calling it out. He's saying, you know, this is anti-white racism. It's no better than any other kind of racism, and we've got to get rid of it. That man's name, Blake Masters in Arizona. Where do these crazy ideas come from? How could you possibly believe this stuff? Well, unfortunately, it all goes back to the schools. Too much of schooling in America has become a machine to uproot common sense and to replace it with something much more sinister. You've heard of critical race theory, I assume at this point, right? Conservatives are up in arms about it, and rightfully so. It sounds academic, it sounds fancy, it's not. All it does is teach kids to identify in racial terms, right? You are good or bad depending on what you look like. At this point, it is straight up anti-white racism. I don't think we're allowed to say that but let's call it what it is. It is toxic and it does not belong in our schools. I love it. I like how plainly he's speaking. People are going to call him and J.D. Vance and other people anti-intellectual. They're rubes. They're idiots. They're uneducated. First of all, these are extremely intelligent, <laughs> well-educated people who've had very successful careers. Who have, but, but what they're doing that is unforgivable is they are contradicting 
the dominant narrative. So if you say that a man can be a woman and a baby's not a baby, you're a genius, you're educated, you're smart, you use all this smart jargon. If you say that it's wrong to make people feel bad for, for being white or any other race, then you're, you're an idiot and you're dumb. And I think the candidates who are going to be most exciting, the candidates who are going to be most successful in, in the future are going to be the ones who eschew this sort of silly jargon and all the platitudes uh, that, that are typical of the last couple of decades of politics, and they just get right to the heart of the issue. What, what he said there is very telling. He said, I'm not sure if we're allowed to say that. And that's going to be a big issue too, because who determines what we are allowed to say and what we are not allowed to say is not just we the people. It's not just the standards that we have in our society. It's not just the taboos that we choose to live under. It's a handful of billionaire oligarchs in Silicon Valley led by hipster Rasputin Jack Dorsey, who, you know, he, he's got the smallest platform, but it's got a lot of influence because of all of the journalists that are on it. And it's Mark Zuckerberg and it's Sundar Pichai at Google. And they are pushing this stuff. They are actively promoting this and they are actively suppressing other voices like Rand Paul. Before we get to Rand Paul, I, I just want to point out how radical this CRT stuff really is. There's a Princeton course right now. It just, it just went to Princeton University, one of the most elite, prestigious universities in the country. They're featuring a course on Black Lives Matter. Now, this seminar will trace the historical roots of the Black Lives Matter social movement in the United States and comparative global contexts. Okay, now right there, if, if that's all the course did, I wouldn't have that much of a problem with it. BLM is an important movement. Yeah, um, it has an interesting intellectual history. I actually talk about it at some length in, in my recent book, Speechless. So sure, let's explore. I'm all, all about exploring all of these things and learning about what they mean. But that's not what the course is doing. The course is pushing the BLM agenda. The movement and the course are committed to resisting, unveiling, and undoing histories of state-sanctioned violence against black and brown bodies. I guess it's not violence against their souls. It's just, just their bodies. That's the, new, that's the, the leftist jargon. The course seeks to document the forms of dispossession that black Americans face and offers a critical examination of the prison industrial complex, police brutality, urban poverty, and white supremacy in the United States. So the, the course is taking the position of Black Lives Matter and then indoctrinating students into its outrageous anti-American Marxist incorrect views. The, the course will feature writings from Angela Davis. Angela Davis is a communist terrorist who's associated with the kidnapping of a federal judge. The issue is not with the, with the reading. The issue is not with the books or the subject matter. It's with the perspective. Okay. And I think this shows the weakness of what has become a kind of quote unquote conservative position over the last decade, which is we'll often say, you know, that we're defenders of academic freedom, meaning you can teach whatever you want in the classroom, even though really that only ever seems to redound to the benefit of the left or the idea that we don't want to indoctrinate students. We want to educate students and that the teachers need to be totally neutral. Education cannot be totally neutral. You need to teach. In order to teach anything, you need to teach that some things are true and other things are false. Some things are good and other things are bad and some things are right and other things are wrong. So you actually do need to take a stand. William F. Buckley Jr. launched the conservative movement, the modern conservative movement with a book called God and Man at Yale that made fun of this ridiculous idea of neutrality that actually said we need to take a stand on some of these issues. If we're going to teach a course on BLM, we are going to have to have some perspective on it. Either that it's a terrible, no good, rotten organization or that it's 
not so great, but it comes here are the reasons that it's developed or that it's a good organization and it's really great and it's all of its claims are true. But you are going to have to take some perspective on it. And I think the reason conservatives lose is because we don't recognize that and the left recognizes it pretty well. But it, it is having effects. It's, when things are echoing around the halls of Princeton or Harvard or Yale or Hollywood studios or the halls of government or any of these elite institutions, they reverberate out into the broader world. So recently you've just seen Simone Biles, who is not particularly educated, though she is a uh, uh, apparently a very accomplished athlete. I've never watched her. I didn't know who she was until two weeks ago. I don't really watch the Olympics. Not my cup of tea, but I've been told she's a good athlete. Uh, and I, I really don't have any opinion about her athletics. I have an opinion about how she doesn't care enough about her country to recognize that appearing at the Olympics is not just about her. It's about representing America and who has to recognize that she is there not just for herself, but for the broader community. Well, Simone Biles proved me right because she just came out as very pro-abortion. Simone Biles just wrote, quote, I already know that this is going to start the biggest argument and may even lose followers, but I'm very much pro-choice. Your body, your choice. Also for everyone going to say, put it up for adoption. It's not that easy. And coming from someone who is in the foster care system, trust me, the foster care system is broken and it's tough, especially on the kids and young adults who age out. And adoption is expensive. I'm just saying. So I want to be, I want to be as charitable to Simone Biles as I can. My impulse is to not be charitable to Simone Biles, but I want, I actually do want to be charitable to her here. She has heard all of this stuff from every elite institution in the country for her entire life. Okay. And she did come from tough circumstances. Her parents were apparently not uh, particularly supportive. She was in the foster care system, though she actually did get out of the foster care system pretty quickly. She was there until about the age of three. And then her grandfather found out about this and started to take care of her a little bit. And he officially adopted her at the age of six. And then obviously, you know, she's had this great, great athletic career. So the, one of the problems with her argument is she's saying, yeah, look, I overcame this thing, but other people shouldn't have that opportunity. Yeah, I, you know, I underwent some amount of suffering and that's fine by me. And obviously I'm one of the most celebrated athletes in the world now, but uh, other people, it's going to be too tough for them. So just kill them, just kill them in the womb. Well, yeah, I guess you could, you could just put the baby up for adoption, but you know, adoption is expensive. First of all, I don't even know what that means. There are 32 couples for every baby that is uh, 32 couples who want to adopt for every one baby who is put up for adoption in the United States. So I guess it's expensive in the sense that you've got to continue to, you know, make sure you go to doctors and eat right while you're pregnant. But that's not, not a huge expense. It's an inconvenience, but the alternative is killing the baby. What this woman's opinions are derived from a broader culture. I don't think it derives from a, a deep study of abortion. I don't think it derives from a deep study of how, of gestation and how, how babies are made or biology or philosophy or theology. It derives from the culture. And so I think a lot of people are going to have that opinion. You, you hear this a lot, actually. Oh, you know, foster care system is bad. Oh, there's so many kids who are unwanted. Oh, there was an argument made in Freakonomics that actually, you know, these kids, because they're in bad circumstances, they'll go on and commit crime. And so, you know, you don't want to have crime. So let's just kill them in the womb. These are hideous, vile, ugly arguments, but because they're protected by the culture, they go on and on and on. So it's incumbent upon us to be able to get into those institutions, wield that political power, and then, and then reshape them. Now, speaking of dubious medical advice, here's where we get to who really controls the speech. Dr. Fauci comes out, the esteemed Dr. Fauci, high pontiff of progressivism, peace be upon him. 
Dr. Fauci comes out and says, even after we've heard that there won't be vaccine mandates and we shouldn't have vaccine mandates, he now thinks that vaccine mandates are good, at, at least for teachers. Dr. Fauci, do you agree with Randy Weingarten, the head of the largest teachers union in the country who came out yesterday and said, yes, teachers should be vaccinated inside schools. Do you think they should be mandated to be vaccinated? Yeah, I'm going to upset some people on this, but I think we should. I mean, we are in a critical situation now. We've had 615,000 plus deaths and we are in a major surge now as we're going into the fall, into the school season. This is very serious business. You would wish that people would see why it's so important to get vaccinated, but you're not gonna get mandates centrally from the federal government. But when you're talking about local mandates, mandates for schools, for teachers, for universities, for colleges, I'm sorry, I, I mean, I know people must like to have their individual freedom and not be told to do something, but I think we're in such a serious situation now that under certain circumstances, mandates should be done. You can hear the contempt and the disdain just dribbling out of his mouth. Look, I understand that all you filthy, disgusting proles like your freedom and your liberty, but uh, that's all well and good unless you contradict good old Dr. Fauci. Then you're going to get in line, sheep. Now, what he's doing here, I think, is a little bit of a misdirection, by the way. It's a little bit of a straw man. Yes, we would like our liberty, not just in the sort of narrow sense of individual liberty, not to have a mask or shoot up something into our arm that we don't want, uh, but the political liberty to make those decisions. Why is this unelected bureaucrat who's been serving for, what, like five presidents at this point? Presidents come and go. Fauci remains. Why is this guy making all these decisions? <laughs> Why don't we have a say in this self-government? And even beyond that, even beyond the question of the political liberty, is the question of prudence and credibility. Why can we not say, hey, look, actually for huge numbers of people, the virus is not particularly lethal. For some people, perhaps it is, but for others, it's not. And this drug has not been approved by the FDA. It's got an emergency youth authorization, but it doesn't have a full approval. And so using our faculties of judgment, we just don't think that a mandate, why are you not allowed to say that? Because it contradicts the whims of Dr. Fauci and that guy has got all the power. But you can't question Dr. Fauci. You cannot question Dr. Fauci or the liberal establishment or any of these other elite institutions. Even if you are a medical doctor, even if you are a medical doctor who is a United States Senator, Dr. Rand Paul, Dr. Senator Rand Paul posted a video in which he questioned the efficacy and the safety of masks. As some people have, now I would never do that. You hear that, YouTube? I would never do that. But uh, some people have done that over the past year and a half, including Dr. Senator Rand Paul. And some punk at YouTube, who's never appeared on a ballot, decided to delete the video from the big tech platforms, which is the public square. These big tech guys even admit that it's the public square now. So they delete the Rand Paul video. So then Rand Paul puts up a video about how his video about the masks was deleted. And they deleted that video too. We managed to get a clip of it. Here he is. Censorship by YouTube is very dangerous as it stifles debate and promotes groupthink, where the truth 
is defined by people with a political agenda. YouTube said the video violated their policy because of my comments on masks and that they don't allow videos that contradict government's guidance on COVID. YouTube may be a private entity, but they're acting like an arm of the government, censoring those who present an alternative view to the science deniers in Washington. People like Dr. Fauci, who have lied to the American people time and time again about masks. So YouTube says that the reason they took down, to see if you can figure out the flaw in YouTube's reasoning. YouTube says that the reason they took down Senator Rand Paul's video about the masks is because it contradicted the official narrative of the government on masks. You ca did you catch the little flaw? And they'll go further. They'll say the government's line on masks derives from the scientists. So that's why they had to take down Dr. Senator <laughs> Rand Paul. What YouTube is acknowledging is something that is becoming clearer and clearer every day, which is that the government is not the U.S. Senate. The government is not the U.S. House of Representatives. The government is not even the president of the United States. The government is the blob. The government is the liberal establishment, the sort of permanent state. The bureaucracy, the administrative agencies, the Fauci's, in concert with the big tech platforms and in concert with the media and in concert with the educational institutions. That's why Donald Trump would be kicked off of Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and every other big social media platform. That's why these handful of oligarchs are able to censor the duly elected sitting president of the United States. Boot him out of the public square because the president is not the government and nor, nor are the senators. You cannot question that sort of thing. Don't forget, I, I actually had, had forgotten this until just last night. Rand Paul is not the only person who's questioned the efficacy and the safety of the vaccines or the efficacy and the safety or of, of the masks rather, I suppose in this case. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris both questioned the efficacy and the safety of the vaccines. They were asked last year, will you get the vaccine? And they said, well, I'm not so sure. And Trump, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of Trump here. And I don't know if I would be willing to take a Trump. They did it. They did the same thing that, that the conservatives are now being deplatformed and ostracized for and cast into outer darkness. But when they do it, it doesn't matter. And when you do it, it does matter because this is not about a principle and it's not about a rule. It's not about the rule of law in our constitutional republic. It's about the whims and the caprices of the power mad bureaucrats and establishmentarians who have all of the power. Barack Obama's birthday party. That's how, that's how we opened up the show with that comment. We say, you know, my, my opinion on masks is that I'm still celebrating Barack Obama's birthday party. <laughs> the people who flew to Barack Obama's birthday party, I think to, to a man, are deeply concerned about climate change. They talk, climate change is the greatest threat. The sun monster is going to kill us all. We just had, there was the code red from the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change just a few days ago. And yet, so many of them flew private jets to the party. According to the Martha's Vineyard Gazette, traffic was very increased due to the party. Airport manager Jeffrey Freeman says, uh, it, it very nearly put us beyond our capacity, both for fuel and for parking spacing. So if a Republican flies a private jet, that's a big problem. If a Democrat fl flies a private jet, not a problem at all. If a Republican questions the masks, it's a very big problem. You've got to be ostracized. If a Democrat questions the masks, that's, that's speaking truth to power. 
That's wonderful. Same thing goes for the vaccines. Republican questions that he's a kook threat to public health murderer. If a Democrat questions the vaccines, he's going to get elected president and or elected vice president or both. This is the lack of credibility. You want to talk, talk about disbelief? You may have seen this story. Well, may, you probably didn't see this story because you're, you're an intelligent person who doesn't watch CNN all the time. But CNN viewers may have, may have heard this story. A, a single mother of three faced eviction unless the, the eviction moratorium could, could have gone back into effect and, and been extended. And her name was Dasha Kelly and CNN sent a reporter Nick Watt to Kelly's home. They did a tour. They promoted Kelly's GoFundMe page, the single mother of three. Uh, Representative Cory Bush pushed this story from seeing a single mother of three unless the Democrat policy is extended. And it was just all a lie. The woman is not a single mother of three. She's not single. She's not a mother of anybody. It turns out she's dating a guy who has three kids with another woman. She doesn't even live with the guy. And I guess she knows the kids, but the kids don't live with her. It was all completely made up. It was a a fiction to push a narrative. And CNN will not face any consequences from this. And probably this woman won't face any. She'll probably just walk away with the money. And nobody will. And it won't matter. And we we can expose the lies and they'll still have the power. And they'll still have the power. People, People are getting sick of it, I think. People, people want to push back against that. People don't like it. But when will we be able to grab the power? When will we be able to wield that power? Because right now, a handful of people are, are exercising all of that here in the United States. And they're trying to make it harder and harder to oust them from office. Time may be running out to do so. It's time for the Chet Hankses of the world <laughs> to continue to speak up. It's time to speak in plain language about the, rife, the, the rank corruption all around us. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo resigns, Chicago police turn their backs on the mayor, and the U.S. has a record 10.1 million job openings. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. 